Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. We're going to take some samples from there. And if there's sperm in that, great. We'll take them out, we'll extract them, and we'll freeze them. Brilliant, I said. So what happens then? So there's nothing in the epididymis, which is the little sort of squiggly bit surrounding your testicle. Um, we're going to have to drill right into the testicle. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast. It's essential like your breakfast. It will get you up and going. There's the things you didn't know. Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast. Give you energy like buck fast. And if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast, yeah. Hello, be Thursday. This is Monty Python's Flying Circus. Uh, it is the Keith Walsh Podcast. Good evening to you. And tonight we bring you news that nothing has changed. There is no news. Everything is exactly the same. Carry on. Go back to what you're doing. Nothing. Watch the telly. Have a shower. Get an early night. Cool. I uh, hope you're well. It is, uh, it's a Thursday evening. Dad. Generally put on, up a podcast on a Thursday evening. Yes, Finn? All oh. my friends love the song for your podcast. Oh, yeah. Cool. I'll send you a clip of it. All right. How do you know that? Because Ty heard it in the car and then everyone made me play it. Oh, did you play it? Oh, cool. We're fa- I'm famous. Huh. Thanks, buddy. They all say you're famous anyway. They're like, oh my god, Keith Walsh is in the car. Yeah, look, what can I do? Right. I'll send it to you. Oh, you sure you're able to play it off the podcast, are you? Thanks, buddy. A few more plays of the podcast, anyway. Isn't that cool? Um, so, what was I saying? Uh, it's Thursday evening. Usually put a podcast up. And uh, I'm just going to keep the intro short because I want to get straight down to it. I don't have no time to get it, mess around. What is the song? Let's get... I don't have no time to mess around. What is this? I can't... It's a song. Let's go. Oh. Let's get down to business. I don't have no time to mess around. What is this? Name that song. You can email me. KeithWatchPod at gmail.com. Right, okay. Uh, you know Mike. If you don't, every Monday night I put up two podcasts. One of them is with a guest and the other one is with my friend Mike. And Mike and I worked in a hotel in London in the 90s, would you believe? Yes, the 90s. Uh, which now, to my children, is like my parents say in the 60s, which is weird. Uh, but we worked together in a hotel in London in the 90s. He uh, has great stories about working in hotels around London in the 90s. And that's why I said to him initially, when we met up again after years of not seeing each other, probably over 20 years, maybe more, uh, we met up I happened to be in Clare went and got something to eat and had a chat and I just 
I loved him. I loved him at the time. He's a great storyteller. He's great crack. He's great personality. And when I met him, then uh, all those years later, and Claire I was like, no, I just, I just enjoyed listening to him, talking to him. So I remember at the time, kind of saying to him, well, it's actually probably a while later, maybe a year later. So we should do a podcast together. At the time, thinking we could do a specific sort of, uh, if you've worked in the entertain in, in the hospitality industry, we could tell you could tell stories about hotels, restaurants, meals, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we broadened it out, and now every Monday we just have a chat, me and my friend Mike. Uh, so that's Mike, Mike Marin, originally from Limerick, living in Clare now. Uh, lived in London for a while and lived in the Midlands, North, North, Norfolk, uh, North of England. Is that right? It's either the North, or the, it probably is. If it's Norfolk, that's the Northern folk, isn't it? Suffolk, Southern folk. Um. So anyway, Mike said it to me a little while ago. Uh, why don't we do a special on male fertility, specifically my? fertility story and I was like yeah I didn't know anything about this I didn't know about his fertility journey um, I knew that he had a son called Jimmy so I presume if he did have an interesting fertility journey it, there was a happy ending at some point possibly several um, so I was like yeah let's uh, let's chat let's do it let's do a fertility a male fertility special and he'll explain why uh, he decided to do it. Um, he'd seen the comedian Rod Gilbert talking about it. And maybe there's just not enough out there about male fertility. Um, that's all I'm going to say. If you have any questions uh, for Mike or myself, or, you know, if you're if you have any concerns uh, with regard to what you're about to hear, for yourself, you send an email, keithwatchpod at gmail.com. I won't be able to help you personally, but I should be able to put you in touch with the right person. Um, that's it. Thanks very much to Mike for sharing his story. I think it will mean a lot to a lot of people. Um, it's a very specific story, so, it, you know, it will... Uh, like the point he made is that it's, it's, a, it's a problem for couples, but it's 50% male, 50% female problem. Actually, slightly more of a male problem than a female problem but you only really hear about the female story so which also is an important story anyway without further ado it is uh, mike talking about his infertility story enjoy it is episode 75 of the keith walsh podcast oh sorry michael hey that's okay i'll tell you what I was on the I was on uh, with the bank. You know when you're on you're trying to ring the bank and then you're wait, you wait for half an hour. So I I waited for so long. I was like, and then they they eventually answered at twenty five past, and uh, I thought I got to stay on this. I can't I can't do I can't go through this again. I don't know. There's been big news this week about the banks closing down and all the local branches are closing around here and stuff. And it's just a fucking joke. I mean, in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, you can't do anything in the bank. You can lodge money, I think, in cash in person for about 14 minutes in our local branch here. The rest of it, you got to do by sort of um, going to the wall and whatever, and it never fucking works, and it never gives you a receipt. Um, and now, in the middle of the pandemic, they fucking they like they say they're going to cl close all their branches, 
which leaves nothing. You can't go and meet anyone or do anything, do any banking. And what happened in the last crisis, the financial one? We fucking bailed them out. And now they're leaving us in this shit when we need them, bastards. Anyway. Yeah, but the banks are just like, there's no one coming in anyway. <laughs> and they use that actually as an excuse. Oh, jeez, uh, the business has dropped over the last. No shit, Sherlock. The whole fucking world is shut down. There's nobody coming in the last 12 months. Sure. I haven't seen. Michael, have you seen anyone coming in the last? No. Margaret. Um, but uh, my, in, but But interestingly, I'll tell you this. My daughter, who works and has worked for about a year now, uh, has never been into a bank. So, like, yeah. there, there is there is a, a generational thing. Like, she and her friends have never been in. Like, she does everything on her phone. She's never had to go in. She's just, everything is just, she doesn't, she doesn't understand the concept of having to go into a bank. Like, she says, I remember going into the bank every week with Granny. <laughs> yeah. Wait till she needs a mortgage. And they say, we're going to have to come meet you. Yeah, we'll have to do it. We'll send someone out. We'll send someone out. Send a fella out with a three-piece suit on. Yeah, no, you're fucked. You have no money, sure. You're fucking, you're fucked from the beginning. (laughs) Sure, you never came into the bank to see us. No point call. Sure, why didn't you call into us? (laughs) If you'd called in, maybe we could have done something. Oh, oh, you couldn't find the building. Oh, that's a great excuse for you now, isn't it? Um... The world is changing, Michael. The world is changing, you know, and it is. You're going to be mining for bitcoins and old computers and not going to banks. That's the way it's that's, that's happening. Man. That's it. That's the way it's going. You know, I'm really paranoid actually behind, you know, because everybody you see on, on Zoom, right, has got some sort of a background which looks really nice or plain. You're actually the only other person who hasn't got a fucking plain background. You got like, shit strewn all over the back of your thing there with Nearly Sisters bags. We're sponsored by NearlySisters.com. They're Nearly Sisters. They're two beautiful women. <laughs> guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I go onto these Zoom classes now that I'm doing, there's, uh, everybody's got these neat things behind them. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, I live in squalor. <laughs> You've got the bag. You're in the bag uh, workshop. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is, which is why I've had to see time people to get out of the bag shop to speak to you. That's why that's the only reason my time is precious. Oh, have you to get out? Oh, look, are, are, there's your sister coming behind you. Look, oh, she's in, and then sisters. she's out. She's very busy, very oh. busy. I barely get to talk to her these days. This is, um, I feel like, uh, by the way, your background is perfect. Uh, I feel like, um, a certain amount of tension with this. this is, you know, the way you say, like, uh, I, I talk differently when I'm interviewing girls or men, yeah, I approach yeah. it differently sometimes. I, it, it might be like that I'm just more awkward or more self-aware or something, but this is kind of, it's, it's, I feel like it's, there's a different, I feel different about this because I feel like it's a serious subject and I, I want to treat it with the gravitas that it deserves because it's very personal, Mike. It, it, it is, but um, it isn't, it isn't. It's, it's, it's very common, in fact, the, what we're about to discuss. And for people who didn't, um, hear what this podcast was going to be about on the previous podcast that I did, or that we did, sorry, um, um, because I think, you see, I'm so arrogant that it's just me. You're, it's, it's the Keith Waltz podcast, you know, featuring Mikey Mike or the big Mike Mike. Um, <laughs> but, but I mentioned it because I was watching a, um, a Welsh comedian doing his special on male fertility. 
Rod Rod Gilbert. Yes, that like South African now for all intents and purposes. <laughs> Um, I love the thing. The thing about this podcast and doing it with you is, I, I have a list of things I'm ticking off to never try and pursue. One of them is voice actor. Well, act, uh, regional voice, regional accent actor. Or put put on the list there, interviewing young hotties. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like voices? I feel like I'm old when I say that. Anyway. Yes. So uh, Rod Gilbert had done a special on uh, fertility and male fertility specifically because he felt that a lot of lot of men were the issue, but it never it's never looked upon as being a, a male issue. It's always yeah, it's a woman's issue. It's all everybody kind of points and you know it sort of does that thing with their mouth and kind of goes in the girls thing. You know, it's a woman's thing. Can't talk about it. No, but in actual fact. You know, statistically, it's 50%. And I think it's actually 51% of infertility issues are male. Yeah. So. And I, 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 I'd imagine women, as reluctantly as they, as reluctant as they might be to speak about it, they would be more, men just would see it as some sort of slight on their personality. Like men take it personally and don't want oh, to talk God. about it and shut down, I'd imagine. Absolutely. Um, and funnily enough, I didn't um, because I never wanted children. I think if you if you've spoken to me in my twenties and early thirties, um, people would say, "You haven't any, you know, any any news, anything stirring," as they used to say in Glenro, or or you know, are you are you thinking about starting a family? Which is a very fucking rude question. Mm. Just because you're married, are you, are you thinking? You know, have you started? You know, are you having sex? You know, they might as well just ask you that. Because you how know, many, how many times have you had sex this week? Um, so so let's let's just give people a little bit of um, background information here. You, you're married to Sally Ann. I'm married to Sally Ann. We got what, married what, in what 1994. Age? I was 25, 26 years old. Okay, young. Yeah, very young. Yep. We were both. She's older than I am. <laughs> Great little snatcher. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, we we got married and. Children weren't on the big thing. I never really wanted to get married either. I, cu- I couldn't see the point of the institution of marriage. And I certainly wasn't going to get married because I wanted to start a family. I didn't think they had anything to do with each other, you know. Mm. And it's not that I was some sort of modern guy sort of going, I just didn't, it just didn't, even though I came from a very happy, you know, childhood and all this sort of stuff with parents who are still together and three brothers and whatever, and everybody's kind of stayed together and, you know, yeah, I just didn't see that you had to be married to have children or vice versa or versa vice or whatever. So, um, yeah, and then it, it got to the stage where um, we were becoming, I suppose, with regards to contraception in those days, you had the pill or you had male contraception, condoms, which were banned in Ireland. When, I, when, when you know, when I first started needing those sorts of things you had to go to the north of north of ireland and people were um bringing them in over the border i remember a buddy of mine jer he he went up to the north once and bought about six boxes of uh, jurex and hid them he took his steering wheel off and put them in behind it was like going through, like going from colombia with like heroin why didn't or... he just buy her <laughs> he would have made a lot more money no he would have made a lot more money with condoms Okay. South. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Another buddy of mine was arrested for giving away 
um, condoms in the Virgin Megastore in Dublin. Yeah. When they started doing mates, remember they started having mates condoms. Yeah. So there was this whole sort of, you know, contraception was a thing. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your friend bringing them down, hiding behind the steering wheel? Did he then? So he so he came back to Limerick, was it, or were you? Mm-hmm. Was that, was that where you? Yeah. And and would he he was, would have sold them then? Would he? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was like a public service. He wasn't doing it for the cash. He was doing it because you know lads didn't want to be knocking young ones up. And uh, yeah, he would he would do it. I mean, he'd obviously pay for his petrol money and stuff, but mm. you, you couldn't get hold of these things here. There was no internet. You couldn't write off and... Where, who would you write to? Condom you know, man, a, Belfast. Mr. Condom. Mr. Rex. Dear Mr. Dear Mr. Condom. I'm surprised Mr. fucking Paisley allowed the, the, the condom into, into Northern Ireland. Well, it wasn't his decision. Was he not worried yes. about sodomy? <laughs> the lash. <laughs> I mean, there were family planning clinics. You know... You know, they weren't a clinic as such. You went there, and um, I think actually my mother volunteered in the one in Limerick because we'd all been reared in, in England, and they, they, they'd spent quite a lot of time over there. And obviously, they came back here in the mid seventies, and it was like, what's going on? That's we're still in the dark ages. What's going on here? What you know, to? And my mother was giving people advice on how to use contraception. So there's no pill. There's no no nothing. There was you know there was nothing. And this is you know. Well, early late eighties, late seventies, early eighties. If you think about it, like you couldn't separate church from country. Like it was, no. it was basically illegal, and it was a sin as well mm-hmm. to have sex unless it was for procreation to have a child. The only mm-hmm. time you 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 sh- and you should never, as a woman, refuse your husband if he says, "Right, let's have a bit of." How's your father? But the weird thing with that is like. I can't imagine if the, the the man of the house came home after 24 pints of Guinness that he would be in the best state of mind to decide in that moment that this is, yes. I want to have a baby, you know, but the paradoxically or whatever, that that was, that the woman couldn't refuse him sex, even on the grounds, like, you know, she could, she could, you'd imagine say, I don't really think you're thinking about babies here. I mean, yeah, yeah. it seems to me like you're quite drunk and, uh, before does, we do it, should we just go through the name book? Yeah. What are you hoping for? We have we now, Michael. Sorry, I'm using your name, Michael. I understand that you're quite in, after your 13 pints against interested in having another child. Could I point out that we have 16, and you've no job at the moment? Okay. And okay. you had to rob the local bank to get the money for the 13 pints. Yeah. Is this really the best way to be looking at having children? How does it how does it work? Like how what were we thinking? Like you have to have sex with your husband if he wants it, but you can only have sex. And the woman wasn't really supposed like it wasn't for her enjoyment on at all. Like it was not to be enjoyed by a woman. No, how no. dare they? Harlotans, they would be. Yeah, they'd be frowned upon, all that sort of stuff. No, no pleasure in the whole act at all for anyone, really. No. But the good was taken out of it. But what? But like even the you, you, women were like I remember stories of women who were pregnant not being allowed into churches, having to sit yep. at, at, the, at the back seats. If you were, I believe it was your time of the month, you weren't allowed in a church. 
Yeah, lots of religions don't, still don't allow that sort of stuff to, you know, and different beds and different this, that and the other, depending on your cycle. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's fucking criminal. And it's all misogynistic bullshit, you know. And which comes back to me and fertility being an issue mm. because it's never the man's fault. It's always the woman. You know, it's not that there's a blame or there's a fault. Now, I must say at the beginning of this, I ain't no doctor. I'm no counsellor. I can only talk about my lived experience and, and sort of what happened here. And, uh, you know, uh, and <laughs> it's actually quite funny. But, you know, it, it's always been men that have kind of been down on this sort of thing from the, the churches and the popes and the pulpits. The men go, no, 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 don't do this. And, you know, and, and then they get involved in this sort of stuff. They, they teach you before you get married. You have to go to fucking lessons or something. I didn't have to do that because I got married in a Protestant country. But, you know, I understand people were kind of, yeah, we've had to do six uh, courses with the priest. What's he going to do? You know, he shouldn't know about the things he's telling you about. Yeah, I did. I had to do the pre-marital course. <laughs> it wasn't with a priest. It wasn't with a priest. It was with a couple. It was like oh. a, man, a man and wife. And the, they'd they like show, show us how to have sex. It was like Monty Python sketch. No, uh, they just happened to be man and wife, which which was, and they they would talk about themselves, and he'd be like, "If we ever have an argument now, I'd uh, I'd make her a cup of tea, and uh, and it'd be grand. <laughs> then you'd be grand, wouldn't you, Margaret? Oh, I would. I'd be grand. Wouldn't you make me a cup of tea? I know that's his way of saying sorry. Um, that was kind of it. Yeah, it was weird. But but the only mm. thing I've always said about those classes is that they used to bring up these things like. Have you talked about how many children you want? Or have you talked about like joint bank accounts? Have you talked about, you know, what to do? And you'd kind of be aware that you would be in a room with other couples who maybe hadn't fucking had these conversations and hadn't yeah. thought about a joint yeah. bank account or hadn't thought about the finances or, you know, saying things like now, you know, because some men might tell their girlfriends, wives to be that, you know, I'll give you enough money. I'll tell you how much money you need oh, and yeah. I'll the housekeeping. Hold, on, hold on to the purse strings and I'll give you what you need for the shop and then all that kind of stuff. So there was probably people who hadn't had that conversation. So I would say on some levels it was it was probably quite helpful to some people. Not me, because I was cool, man. Yeah, I'm sure your lovely wife, nearly sisters of nearly sisters fame, could uh would 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 testament testament I can't yeah, she, to you, you know. She would testify to all of that. Testifies. But anyway, it's not. A, this is not about me. Oh, it always is about you. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. So I was watching Rod Gilbert about his uh, fertility issues and infertility, fertility, blah, whatever you want to call it. And the whole thing that men don't really get involved in the conversation to a degree unless they have to which is exactly what happened to me. <laughs> I was just literally minding my own fucking business. We had, um, we'd used various types of uh, contraception. And then we got to the stage where it was kind of willful neglect, you know, like as if, you know, a child might happen. And uh, I remember we were using this thing called, uh, from Boots, it was a huge thing at the time. It was called Persona. Um, do you remember the Persona machine? Yeah, machines? I think so. I do. Yeah, yeah. Little battery-operated machines that um, give you a green light, an amber light, and a red light. So 
it's based on the hormones in the ladies we of course we handed over all responsibility for everything because you know the men 13 points there's no way i missed i couldn't miss i don't think i'd miss it you know um it was all the women's responsibility yeah yeah so this persona machine we were going jesus it's fantastic it's never let us down it's unbelievable and uh, I was thinking, yeah, there's been a couple of times when we haven't really looked at it. And then the next day, maybe it's red and stuff. So possibly we should have maybe sort of be having a child at this stage. But, you know, kind of. And then we got around to the conversation of, well, what do we do? Do we do we look into it? Do we whatever? And uh, of course, being a man, I see you, Sanian, you go and see the doctor there. <laughs> see what you can do, you know. Anyway, she goes to the doctor. The doctor says, okay, well, there's a couple of tests we can do um, with you. A couple of blood tests, see whether your, you know, your body clock is working, you know, regular this and that and the other. And uh, and I still feel guilty or I feel embarrassed talking about the female sort of thing because I don't know too much about it. It's, still, it's a bit, bit of a mystery to me. It's a bit of a mystery to all men, I think. And um, they kind of say, listen, you seem to be okay crack on there and try again you know and try and try and try and whatever and if nothing happens maybe maybe we'll get your husband in and uh, see what the situation with with him is so all of a sudden i'm fucking dragged into the thing you know so hi how you doing fertility clinic and it's not a fertility clinic you just go to the hospital i was living in norfolk at the time and um they said listen you need to give us a sample so I duly provided a sample, which was a funny story in its own, but I ain't going to go into that. But why? I, no, 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 I can't. I can't. It was it was embarrassing for everyone. But anyway, the sample arrived. Um, um, they went through it and said, "We can't find anything in your sample. There's it's zero. There's nothing going on there whatsoever." I'm going, "How fucking dare you?" I was thinking, I must have fathered children throughout my sort of teenage years and early 20s i've been worried sick that i've left a load of young ones around the country with children looking like me and i'm thinking what the fuck what do you mean there's nothing going on there and i was like i demand a recount literally i want you know second opinion and uh so i did i went to see a urologist uh, indian guy who was very very good and he said listen bring along a sample we'll look at it under a microscope and he was really good and he said like we'll look at it under a microscope together okay so showed me on the screen and uh, he showed me a video bear in mind this is nearly 20 years ago of healthy sperm and then he showed me mine and it was just like the fucking the aral sea it was nothing it was non-existent it was like what the fuck what's going on here um no mo- no movement no bit of no movement he said but i can do a check for you if you want and we i can diagnose one very simple thing right here and now and i went go for it you know big man i'm a strong man he said just strip off there and uh don't lie on the bed just kind of stand up and lean on the bed and he said this is going to be quite uncomfortable and he put on the old gloves and then he got his two little fingers and he literally went in behind my testicles and up there's a cavity in there and it was just like if he wasn't a doctor i'd have fucking hit him it was so uncomfortable i just didn't know where to look I yelped and he st- he went, stuck his fingers up and then he yanked down. And I went, what the fuck? He said, yes, there's a, Mr. Marin, there's an absence of vas de friends. 
And I said, in English, please. And now I'd studied biology and I was actually studying ecology at the time. So I knew my way around the body. And I said, vas friends, isn't that a bit of tubing? You know, when you have a vasectomy, they cut it. Yeah, he said, you haven't got any. And I went, oh, Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? He said, well, think about it. He said, that if, if you are producing uh, sperm, um, it's got no way of getting to 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 the ejaculate, you know. And I, and I went, oh, so what's in the other stuff? He said, that's just fl- various fluids. <laughs> like, wow. I said, does this mean like I, I? No, he said, no. You're absolutely perfect in every other way. You just have this genetic issue, which quite a lot of people have, absence of vas friends. And he said, there's a number of ways we can treat it, but um, we'll have to do it with a surgery and all sorts of stuff. And I'll. Listen, I'll give you some paperwork to have a look at. You go and have a chat with your wife, blah, da, 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 and then come back to me if you want to do it, and I'll refer you to a hospital in London, and we'll take it from there. Can, so uh, the, can I stop you there, Mike? Of course you can. How did you feel? How were you feeling? Uh, were you, I mean, you, were you kind of, I know you're, you're saying you weren't necessarily trying for children, but you weren't not trying for children, kind of. Uh, did you feel um, like a failure? <laughs> Were you like just, just Mike? Just gonna, jump in here whenever you're ready. <laughs> I, I'm going to be brutally honest. It was my thirtieth birthday, right on that day when I went to see him, and I I cycled over there. That was my big fucking mistake because I had to cycle back. <laughs> Literally, my. My testes were on fire and my undercarriage was very, very, very sore at this stage because he'd been yanking around there. And I'd cycled this bike back. It wasn't the most comfortable bike anyway. I don't like bikes ever since, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I was cycling back thinking, woohoo, I don't have to become a father. Excellent. I can fucking holiday. I can buy a nice car. I had a good job or I was actually at college, but I was getting a good job. It was fucking D fucking lighted until I went home. Yeah. And Sally Ann came back from work that evening and she said, because no mobile phones, I couldn't phone her at work. She was busy all day. She cycles back in from work and says, well, how did it go? And I said, well, I think, you know, I am infertile. Um, It's got to be a major, I was like major operation, huge operation. You know, they're going to have to like cut me in half and do this sort of stuff. Not worth uh, this, not worth this. You don't want me to do that, do you? And she went, oh, right. Okay, well, we'll look at the paperwork. See, uh, we'll get you booked in. It was like, fuck off. Um, And then we we briefly thought, right, okay, the, the, the children gods aren't with us here at the moment. Let's have a look at maybe fostering or, um, uh, uh, adopting or whatever and uh, time had moved on I'd done my degree and uh, because things work slowly in medicine you know you get an appointments and this that and the other and you have to go and see a counsellor then you have to go and get genetic testing because they wouldn't in those days touch you with IVF unless you had all these uh, indicators done on you because they didn't want you to have some child with various underlying conditions is this so this is have you decided not to have the operation and maybe just try and get some of your sperm out of your testes and and throw them and place them in with your wife's eggs instead no we hadn't they they can't come up with a definite plan of action so 
whilst we were looking at other options, yeah, okay. I had sort of down the medical route. So I, I kind of, they'd done a few tests. They'd done, they'd taken blood from me um, just to see whether it's worth doing this harvesting operation on me, right? And uh, uh, fuck, it sounds horrible. I know. Um, I, 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 and it's uncomfortable. Just as a little aside, because people, I've heard before that if you don't have sex or masturbate regularly, that it will, it's bad for you. You know, it's bad for your prostate or, you know, you need to keep that stuff moving. You need to keep those pipes going. That's all bullshit, obviously, is That's it? Because, because, because in my head, I'm going, these fucking testes were just filling up. And <laughs> Buster gonads going around the place, full of sperm. Can't get it. Can't get rid of it. No, I now know what happens is you produce the sperm in your testes. It goes into your epididymis and then it goes via your vas deferens into tubes and out it comes. But if it isn't used, it's absorbed back into your bloodstream. It goes back in and you're freshening up and whatever. It's not, you know, clear the tubes, that's, you know what I mean? This kind of stuff. That's complete bollocks. <laughs> um, we've gone so, too, we went too far. We got like from, it's bad to masturbate. You go blind. So you have to masturbate, lads. You go fucking blind. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Priest says no. Doctor says clean them out, lads, every 15 minutes. So, <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so I'm I'm tipping along with medical stuff mm. and getting uh, blood tests done, and we, we realize it's not Sally Ann, it's me. Um, so I think right, let's look at um, fostering. Let's look at adoption. We looked at fostering, and were immediately put off um, fostering by somebody else we knew who had a bad issue with fostering, and it just didn't appeal. And um, and that's not to say that it's a bad thing, but it was just bad for us. Um, and I don't want to judge anybody either in any of the decisions I'm making here. But um, we went down the adoption route. So we, we, <laughs> we went to the local council who, who deal with adoptions. And uh, it was my first encounter with any sort of counselling ever. Before you even engage with these people, you had to get counselling, right? So on one hand somebody's testing my blood i'm being physically counseled by one lot and then i'm being mentally counseled by the other and i feel like i'm under scrutiny here so we walk into this this woman and a uh, very nice lady and uh she said well, why are you looking at uh, adopting well we we can't have children we we haven't tried but without assistance uh, and even with assistance now we're finding more out it's 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 very, very difficult. This particular operation they're going to do on me was relatively new, and it's it's not. There's not a lot of statistics about it, so we're just kind of trying to hedge our bets and whatever. And uh, and then I think she pulled out. The, it didn't help that the room was all musty, and there was a really dodgy couch in there, and she was sitting in a higher chair than us, and th there was a bit of a power play going on. And I'll never forget it. It felt like my grandmother's house you know, the good room in my grandmother's house. And I was being sat down and chastised. And uh, I was working, I got a new job and it was very, very busy. And Sally Ann had a job and she was traveling a lot. So our time was kind of limited, you know? And uh, this woman says, listen, we need to, we need to uh, deal with the, um, the loss. And uh, I went, sorry, what loss? You know, the loss of the children that you will never have. And, you know, it's like dealing with a death in your very close family. 
I'm going, huh? We're just here to have a chat about fucking adoption. You know, surely it can't be that difficult. You adopt a baby and then fucking crack on with it. You know, lots of other people. I know idiots that have children. Surely I can do it. You know what I mean? And it was just, and well, yeah, we need to, we need to discuss this. So I thought, fuck it, we'll play the game. And we sat there and we both came out feeling really, really uncomfortable, you know? And uh, sort of like, she'd actually brought up stuff that you hadn't thought about, this idea of loss. And you're thinking, I, I don't think I've lost, unless I've had something and you can't lose it, you know? And I'm thinking about this sort of very logically, but it stirs up all this emotion. And all of a sudden you get emotionally involved in this child, whether it's natural or helped along or adopted or whatever. And, and it's like, fucking hell, I've lost something. I didn't realize I'd lost something. I was like, fucking, oh my God. Complete head melt. Yeah. And um, we had to go and see them again. And they said, listen, you've had a chat with the counselor. How do you feel? And I said, yeah, you know, it was kind of it was interesting. It was kind of enlightening. And um, again, play the ball, you know, but what do we do next? Well, we will come out and check your house to see what it's like. Uh, do you have any animals? We do. We have a dog. Oh, we don't know about dogs. I was like, fucking hell. And can we see you next Tuesday at one o'clock at your house? And I was like, well, I think, Sally Ann, you're away. I think you're in India next Monday. So, um, and I'm at work and I've got to go to court on Tuesday. So that's not really, um, that's not really great. Can we schedule for another day? And she looked at us and she went, if we gave you a child and that child needed you at one o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, where would you be? And I thought, fuck you. I just, uh, f- how fucking dare you, missus? You can't, you know, this is not real world. This is, you know, and with that, we uh, we just sort of said, listen, thanks. See you later. Give us the forms. Never fill them in. Good luck and fuck you. It was, it was, it was awful. You'll be, they'll, they'll probably think, oh, they were, they were too selfish. They were too selfish to have children. Um, again, this is this is my you know, and I feel I feel really. I've been thinking about this this morning actually, and I feel kind of guilty that this is my opinion. This is yeah, you know, this, this is, is your not, story. This is not anyone yeah, else's yeah. story. This is no, your story. No. Yeah, totally. And I don't, I can't judge anybody else, and I don't even want to judge those women. They were just doing their job, you know. And they probably the reason they were saying these things is they probably had, <laughs> you know, people given children to people, adopted them, and the people had just gone. Fucking hell, I'm a bit too busy. I'm gonna to go to the pub look after that fucking child, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. it's not like adopting a dog, you know, and I, and I get that. It's just, um, it was just the way I felt like, hold on a sec, you can't judge me yet. When it, you know, if and when it's gonna happen, it's gonna be different. But also, you're excluding a lot of probably very suitable candidates from adopting by not kind of. Like people change when they have a child. When a child arrives yeah. into their life, things change. You you discover as you go along what you need, how you need to adjust, what needs to change. If uh, if the dog isn't suitable, you know, bye bye dog. You know, you you worry about that when it happens. You don't you don't in yeah. advance build your life around. I mean, look, we, the other thing that that's worth mentioning is possibly a couple could rock up there and be have been trying for ten years and. She could be in bits over it. He could be at a loss. He could be like, I don't know. I can't. My wife is not happy anymore. Mm. I can't give her children. She hates me because of that. There is resentment. There's all this kind of stuff. She's in mourning for the children she can't have. So they probably just do need to deal with that. And I'm just saying that just to, you know, have said it. They they have to cover all eventualities. 
but they could see us, you know, I'm sort of going, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about going for this treatment and whatever. I'm just, it's yeah. kind of a backstop, really. <laughs> I was probably a bit too lax and kind of relaxed about the whole situation. <laughs> the benefit of the doubt should be as well. If someone comes in and goes, look, I'm cool. We're just looking into this. This might be a thing. Yeah. You know, we're really happy to commit to it. You know, tell us what to do. You know, you've got to sort of take people at face value as well, you know? Yeah. But we would have done it. We would have been, I'm sure, had the had it been received in a different way, we would have done it. You'd have been brilliant, um, Mike. You'd have been brilliant. Thanks very much. Well, well, anyway, so... Um, but your attitude we, stank. <laughs> yeah, fucking dog. Poor old Rusty. <laughs> dog would have been put down straight away. No, 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 Rusty was fantastic, actually, when we did end up having children. But, um, so what happened then? So the next thing is... So adoption was out. Adoption's out. Fostering was out. Fostering was out. So we're now looking down um, the barrel of trying to get some sort of an intervention, medical intervention. Um, And that means A, harvesting eggs, um, and B, harvesting sperm. And doing, because they can't just take a scan and see, if there's anything squiggling around in there they've got to do this under a live microscope um operation so um we're taken down to well we had we got referred down to bart's hospital in london and uh i was first up because they're not going to medically deal with Sallyanne at all because there's no need to deal with her because for all intents and purposes she's good i'm the one who's not great at the time, so need to see whether I've got anything, and then see what what we can do from there. So uh, listen, we've got to come down to London for a couple of days. Is there any chance you could put me up in the hotel? He ran a hotel, the Forum in London, very tall hotel, the tallest hotel in London, in fact. Yeah, I think I remember. Yeah, it was around the corner from where we used to work, mm. Gloucester Road. And uh, Ed said, "Listen." Uh, no problem. Come on down. I lay out the red carpet for you. I told him what it was about and stuff and said, listen, you know, don't don't tell anyone. I'm just going in for a bit of an op. Um, it's all going to be fine. Don't you worry, Mike. Everything's going to be great. Very funny fella, this guy. So um, <laughs> we, uh, we go down, check into the hotel, go to the hospital the next morning, and they're saying they're saying nil by mouth all this sort of stuff. So no drinking, no food, no nothing. So in, uh, up to the museums, have a look around, um, get up the next morning, get a bus over to, oh, was it Bart's Hospital, and um, have this procedure. And they don't really tell you what's going on. It's just kind of it's a little bit of a procedure going on, and this is what's going to happen. And uh, I meet the surgeon before, and he said, listen, we're going to give you a general anesthetic. We're going to knock you out, um, and we're going to drill into your epididymis through your testicle, uh, through your um, your sac, effectively, into the epididymis. We're going to take some samples from there, and if there's sperm in that, great. We'll take them out, we'll extract them, and we'll freeze them. Brilliant, I said. So what happens then? So there's nothing in the epididymis, which is the little sort of squiggly bit surrounding your testicle. Um, we're going to have to drill right into the testicle and see if there's anything in there. And I went, okay, yeah, no, no, no problem whatsoever. I, think, you know, I said, I'm not going to feel anything. No, Mr. Barry, you're not going to feel a thing. 
So, great stuff. So I wake up afterwards, fucking starving. Best cup of tea ever. NHS sandwich, like toast, butter, tea. Oh, fantastic. I look down and I think, oh, fucking hell, there's blood everywhere. I've been shaved. It's my first sort of manscaping thing. I'm going, oh, Jesus, what's going on down here? And it's a bit kind of swollen and it's there's been a bit of blood and there's a little stitch. And uh, I'm in this, um, you know, like you get easy peeler um, uh, oranges in those little nets. I had a pair of underpants made out of that netting that they've sewn onto me to keep everything together. And they said, don't take these off. You, you can go through to, to the toilet with, with these on. Just keep this on for a day or two, just to keep everything together. We need that. We don't need any movement of the lads down there. Um, we don't want anything to disturb what we've done. Um, and we're delighted to tell you that we actually did drill into your testicle and we managed to get some sperm. So delighted. We've got a good sample. He said they seem to be very healthy. We've had a look under the microscope and um, we'll take it from there. Next thing we need to do is put, get your wife in. So great stuff. Go back to the hotel. Um, my buddy Ed, for some reason, has invited some buddy of his, some big noise from up north, to have dinner with us that night. And I'm fucked. I got a cannula sticking out of my arm. I shouldn't have gone down, but you know, will you have a beer? Well, the doctor said not to have a beer. Will you? Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> So we have a beer. We're sitting around having a bit of a laugh, and I think I finished half of the beer. I had a sandwich and just thought, you know what? I need to fucking go to bed. I'm absolutely fucked. I'm pounding now. The pain is coming in. I'm on the antibiotics. I'm on the painkillers. I'm on everything. Um, and uh, Ed says, "Listen, are you enjoying your room?" And I said, "Listen, Ed, there was no need. He gave us the penthouse suite up on the twenty-third floor." <laughs> I said, "There's no need for that, Ed. None." Listen, I just wanted to make it special for you guys. You know, you're beautiful. And we looked, you know, you looked after me when he came up. He used to come up and stay with us and sort of have fun times. And I said, Jesus, very, very kindly. Anyway, upstairs, passed out, absolutely fucking away with the fairies. Two o'clock in the morning, fucking fire alarm goes off. No hotel. Evacuate, evacuate. To run down the fucking stairs. <laughs> Right. Run down. As I'm running down, I feel this pop. And I think, <gasps> oh, that's a bit fucking sore, that testy. And then there's this somebody on a loud hailer from about eight or nine floors below going, it's okay. It's uh, just one of the janitors has pressed the uh, uh, red alarm button. So please make your way back to your bedroom. Sorry for the inconvenience. Stroll back up. I'm so snookered. I just think, you know what? Another fucking paracetamol. Bang, off to go to bed. I wake up the next morning. It's a bit sore. Oh fucking hell! It's a bit. That is a bit testy now. That's a bit fucking. You know. Think nothing of it. Go back to Norfolk, um, and Sally Ann is literally. This is like a Tuesday. On the Thursday, she's got to go to Vietnam. She's to work all over Asia, and uh, she said, "Are you okay?" I said, "Yeah, I'm signed off work. Don't worry about me. Uh, go have a great trip. I'll see you in two weeks' time." What did your, can I ask you a question? What did your testicles look like when you looked at them? Like, because did they look stage? Yeah. They were absolutely perfect. Looked just fine. Bit, um, just a little bit bruised, a bit bluey, yeah. kind of reddish, um, slightly swollen. And my right testicle to be. <laughs> just <laughs> to good be to know. Exact. And um, how are you hanging? 
she she left yeah slightly to the right um but she 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 left to go to vietnam on tuesday um i got up on the wednesday morning and couldn't walk then i looked down and it was like oh fuck oh fuck i'm in fucking trouble i'm on my own i've got the dog he needs a walk and there's no way i couldn't even get out of bed my right testicle was now the size of a cricket ball and it was taking every available piece of skin to keep it in. The stitch had come and there was a bit of pus and I think, oh fuck, and I, I'm feeling faint, I'm feeling hot, I'm feeling sick, I'm feeling everything. I rang the doctor and said, listen, um, I'm fucking, I've, I've had an operation and I'm really fucking sore. Is there any chance somebody can come out to see me? And they did, fortunately they did had a look at it and went doctor it was a small guy really funny and he went oh oh that must really hurt does it it's like fuck no shit your luck um and i was almost i was sick and i said listen i've got to go back to work on monday and i don't i don't think this is gonna no you can't you can't drive you can't do anything with that any sudden moves and that baby's gonna pop like it's gonna fucking so, right, okay, what is it? And he said, um, it's orchitis. You've got a, a badly infected testicle and it's swollen up. And it's this thing, orchitis, O-R-C-H-I-T-I-S. <clears throat> it's ready to burst. We need you on some other antibiotics. What are you on? Yeah, that's not working. Lock it down the window. We're going to give you these, 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 and a bit of an injection. And three, four days, I'm going to say. Um, it took for the swelling to go down, the pain to go down and whatever. And I actually met one of my neighbours that was out walking the dog. Um, I'd say the next Tuesday I'd managed to, I was walking with a stick just to get him around, you know, uh, just to walk the dog around. I thought a bit of fresh air is going to do. Met one of my neighbours and she said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I was just, I had in London and I had, uh, what could I say? I was like, I had a bit of a thing and uh, and uh, she said, you look like you're going to pass out. I was like, I fucking feel, it was grey, ashen. Went home, got sick, you know, just lay down in bed, left the back door open, dog and shit for everyone. I don't fucking care. This is it. My wife has left me. She's gone to fucking Vietnam. <laughs> in those days, I mean, we she had a satellite phone that she could use sort of in an emergency. She gave me a call at one point. I'm like, no, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, not to worry. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She go to the doctor. Yeah, I just got some extra pills. It's fine. Should have taken a picture of it. It was just, it was so big. It was sort of like between cricket and a cricket ball and a grapefruit sort of size. Wow. So and as red as you like. A huge. big cricket ball. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. regulation. No. And uh fucking hell, what, how did you manage you know peeing and very, very, yeah. very carefully. You weren't like do weren't masturbating. <laughs> no chance of knocking one out. That Just is. you know what? Men are so bad. You, I bet you still fucking tried. Oh, this is so fucking sore. But like, oh Jesus! <laughs> sorry, oh, sorry. No, no, no. But it just—it was—it was so you couldn't. I mean, it was so sore. Um, but listen, we we got through that, and uh, she came back, and all of a sudden, there's lots of appointments for her, because now they're going to do this thing called ICSI. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. I don't know. I don't know whether you're familiar with any of this stuff. You no. know, IVF 
You've got IVF, regular IVF. I say regular IVF. There's nothing fucking regular about it. Um, it's that they put a sperm and the egg that have been cultivated into a Petri dish and let them squiggle around and they do their thing and then they re-implant them. With ICSI, it's this ICSI, it's intracytoplasmic sperm injection. So they harvest the sperm, they harvest the eggs, then in a lab, they actually inject because the sperm are so rare on this occasion, they've got one sample and I'm not going back for another one, that they inject the sperm directly in. And they do this four or five times with however many eggs they've got. And then put them all in a Petri dish and then implant stuff. So the second, I suppose, traumatic thing about it was you had to inject your wife with various hormones that you have to mix. <laughs> so they give you this powder and then they give you this water and you crack the little glass vials and then you inject them up and you mix it and then it's fine. I was, I'll never forget it. I had to do it for about a week or two and I would have the biggest gin in the world. And one of these cycles, you had to stop ovulation and then the next one was to jumpstart it so they'd know exactly when everything started so that when it came to it, you would be in hospital on the, the prime day of you. They would have exactly the right amount of estrogen or whatever that I was injecting. And this stuff, it had, um, it had, I've wrote it down here. It's got, um, oh, it's got hydrogen, I want to say hydrogen peroxide. No, sodium hydroxide um, on it. So, so that this drug is taken up very quickly by the lady's body. I had to mix this stuff and inject it into Sally Ann's leg. But this sodium hydroxide is an adjutant. So it tells all the blood cells, oh, there's something really horrible. And it goes, shoo, shoo, and it takes the drugs in really, really quickly. Okay. But it's really fucking sore. <laughs> like, I'm, I've got over my testicles at this stage, and I'm like, hey, wielding the, the, this big needle, a big fuck-off needle, and you've got to do it into the, the leg at certain times. It has to be done in the evening so that it, it, it's all like hour-minute sort of date thing, so that four weeks on a Tuesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon then they can work it's it was to the minute sort of stuff um so i would have the hugest gin literally i'd have a gin and tonic on my own mixed the medicine and then i probably have in all honesty i'd have a, an actual nip of gin like a good nip just neat gin just to steady the nerves to go up and give right i want i mean i could never be an intravenous drug user i'm just so fucking frightened of needles and she's worse and I was like, look away, look away, look away. And we sort of sing songs or whatever. And then I go, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> oh, Do it. And uh, it was horrible. Nothing about this experience was at all enjoyable. It's not like having a shag in the back of a freaking Renault Fuego in 1986, where most people got pregnant at our age. This was like, you had to work at it and you had to kind of go through the motions. And it was quite traumatic, I suppose. Yeah. And talking about it, it it's, it's relatively traumatic. But at the time, you just think, fuck it, you just got to do it. That's what you got to do. Um, and then you go to the hospital and they collect the eggs. And then a week later or four days later, you have to say, they ring you up and say, listen, the eggs, there, everything's going swimmingly at the moment. It looks like mitosis has occurred, so there's meiosis or whatever it is. The cells are dividing, so come on in. 
we'll put this stuff in. And of course, Sally Ann, we're both vegetarian, have been for a long, long time. And um, they said, you want to come into the room and they've got the stirrups and it's like a reverse birth, this thing. And they have to put the stuff in, you know, as well. Obviously, it's got to go in some way. So they're there with the old turkey basner. And um, she's kicking them on at her. Freaking off her fucking head. Now, she's the most mild-mannered, relaxed person I know. And she's screaming, going, I want a fucking McDonald's. <laughs> this stuff they've given her, the Rohit or whatever. Oh, they were trying to knock her out. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was just... She like, was off her head. Off her skull. Kicking stuff, telling people to fuck off. I want a fucking McDonald's. Fuck off. And I'm going, darling, she going, fuck off. Like, didn't really recognize me or anything. She recognized you as the guy who used to fucking stick needles in her leg. <laughs> um, and it's funny, that first time we did it, um, in fact, the, sec- the first time we did it, it failed. So we thought we had to go through the whole fucking thing again. Obviously, I didn't have to get harvested, but we had to do the injections in the second cycle and yada, yada, bing. And um, I'll never forget it. We were ready this time. We were, you knew, you know, it's like anything. The more you know something, the easier it is to deal with. And um, I'll never forget, uh, I said, listen, last time, I don't know whether we took it too easy or whether we didn't take it easy enough. What should, should, should she do, you know? And the nurse is like, listen, most people don't know they're pregnant. You just happen to know that you've been there's, you know, there's, there's the possibility of something happening in your body at the moment. So just don't, don't, don't overreact. Or don't do anything. Just take it handy for the first 24 hours anyway. And um, Sally Ann has been inseminated again at this stage now. And uh, we're leaving the hospital. And she's still a little bit gooey and sort of like not remembering whole sentences and stuff like that. And I said, you know, we've got to take it easy now. And she went, oh, there's a 38 post, which we didn't have to get. And she started running for the... <laughs> And funnily enough, eight months later, he was a month early, along comes Jimmy. So it worked. Yeah, he was he was premature, which was fucking set the cat amongst the pigeons anyway. And the whole birthing thing was fantastic. Another story in itself. I uh, I was on the gas in here. <laughs> I'd done my back in at work that day. Come home and I was like. I was, I'd say, six or seven cans of lager in and a load of ibuprofen and all sorts of stuff. And I was going, oh, fucking hell, my back is fucked. I don't know. It's the first time I'd ever done my back and I pulled a muscle moving a sleeper. And it was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm so sore. I'm so sore. Midnight, Sally and wakes up. I think my water's broken. No, 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 not for another month. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. <laughs> no, 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 they're gone. I drove to the hospital. Oh, Jesus, Mike. How? Lying down. Trying to see over the steering wheel. Fucking car was destroyed. There was water's break. It's not just a little fucking. It's like a dam bursting. Anyway, there was water everywhere. Plastic. I got bin liners and everything in the car. I was, you know, I was beside myself. I didn't know what was going. On. I literally had no idea what was going on. Um, I was sober enough to drive. I, I later found out at this stage because it was. I, I had drinks early on. Need. But I got to the hospital and um, they were doing the whole breathing and whatever. And I'm going, this is my back. 
back is fucked. And uh, the nurse says, Can you give me, I'll get you this. And I was sitting on a birthing ball, you know, those big balls they use for yoga. Um, with a little sick, you know, the sick hats, or the, the, they look like sick bowls, the cardboard bowls. And uh, she said, listen, have an old dart of the uh, gas and air there, nurse, because it'll make your back feel a lot better, you know? It'll, and I'm going, <laughs> Sally Ann screaming, and going, oh, that's fantastic. And I, wrote, I was off my tits, and I wrote, kiss me quick on the, the sick thing and put it on my head. And then, then they said, listen, nothing's happening, go home. So I went home. Then I got a phone call about two hours later, uh, come in. So I come in and I said, listen, you know, I'm, I'm a bit straighter now at this stage. Said, He's a month early. That's not right. Don't worry about that. Uh, but the breathing is a bit issue and there's fucking heartbeats and all sorts of stuff. And I'm going, oh, fucking hell, what's going on here? And the woman who was the midwife was saying, just want to get some of my colleagues in. All of a sudden, there's six midwives in. And in walks this um, Ghanaian doctor. He must have been about six foot eight, I'd say. He walked through a set of double doors and they looked like he was walking into a saloon in a John Wayne film. You know, he's just going to hit the doors open and said, gown me, ladies. Now, this man was possibly the most beautiful man I'd ever seen in my entire life. His skin was flawless. He was just, he was like, the, like a big American football player brought to life in front of me he was everything was well in me proportion he was got like lovely gown me glove me ladies <laughs> they were all like oh pay any attention to sally Ann. and uh, this is one of the new rooms i've not been in here before they'd recently done up the hospital you see uh it looks like we're going to have to use a von Toos delivery this suction cup like a big hoover yeah with a thing on the end of it I go, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and he, he said to me, "Is uh, have you got a birthing plan? I said, yeah, but that's gone out the fucking window. That was supposed to be a month from now. We're supposed to be listening to the water boys at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, uh, yeah, that's okay. Um, we're only okay. We, we, we're going to try and use this device. It's a suction device called a Vontouche. You've probably seen it in your thing. And I said, yeah, we were at it two nights ago, the thing. And he goes, it's it's harder than you think. And he just put it up against my hand. And, went, <laughs> and it was like the most vacuum I've ever had in my life. Um, he's out, but he's not moving. So we need to get him out. We need to get him out now. You understand? No, no problem whatsoever. Uh, are you supposed to be at the business end or the top end? And I go, uh, top end. I don't want to see that. Thanks. I want to see the hall of the moon. And um, so I'm sitting up the top end and talking to Sally out, holding her hand, and she's like, looking at me, you know, any love there is goes out the window at this point. You fucker, you fucking did this. I'm going, I didn't fucking want it. You know, I'm fucking, and we're having this kind of argument, you know, yeah, almost. Yeah. I was like, fucking, I didn't, I didn't fucking, I didn't want this. And I did, certainly didn't want you to be in pain. This is what I knew was going to happen. He's going, oh. and the bed thing, the stirrups hadn't been put together properly. So when the legs go up in the stirrups, this one falls off. Michael, I'm afraid I need your shoulder. Oh, <laughs> like a man. fucking scrum. So I'm sitting on the little chair with my shoulder, with everything going on. I can hear this. Oh, man. And uh, yes. Uh, 
and he takes him over and they start rubbing him and there's no noise and it's like fucking hell what's going on here now this is turning into a fucking nightmare and all of a sudden relief comes over and he he's standing in front of me and uh He's going to, can somebody tell me, have I got to tell him what it is? Or is he going to tell her? Because this is all part of your birthing plan thing. You see, do you want to tell your wife? It's like, it's a complete load of whole bugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so he turns around and I said, I think I'm supposed to tell her. But I said, you crack on. He said, no, 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 no. We, we will keep this. So he turns around, this child. And Jimmy looks um, very, very dark with dark curly hair. I'm looking at him. I look at the, the midwife, and uh, I look at him. And uh, he's also the doctor has got his hand over any identifying sexual organs, so I can't see anything. You see, so and he's looking at the, doc, the 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 midwife, and I'm looking at the midwife, and she said, "It's okay. Normally they're quite dark when they're born. <laughs> Don't worry." At which point he goes. What's wrong with the child being black? I said, that's nothing. But, you know, from my point of view, it's kind of, oh, yes, yes, I see, I see, I see. And he's like, turning into a fucking comedy. And he goes, now tell your wife what the sex of the child is. And uh, I'm looking, and he, he looks and he goes, what, what can't you see? And he's literally got his hand in front. And the midwife gives him, take your hand out. Oh, sorry. And he says to her, huh? It's a boy. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Could you not see that? <laughs> and then he's like, you want to cut the cord, don't you? I can see you're one of those guys. No, fuck off. No way. Thanks very much. That's your gig. I'm out of town. Yeah. So, yeah. That was Jimmy. Was Jimmy, man. Jimbo. That's the story of Jimmy. Yeah. And uh, I feel like saying congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> congratulations, Dad. Um, and did you, uh, it might be too soon to ask this because you've just had Jimmy. Did you think of going again? Or was that like, was that enough? No. Yeah. End of story. Yeah, we couldn't, you just, you know, there was too much, you know, you would, but we didn't. Yeah. Because I know, um, like I have a friend who, did the whole IVF thing twice, you know, it didn't work the first time to try it again. And then they end up adopting and it just sounds like the whole thing sounds, I mean, obviously there's the, uh, the desire to have children. And, uh, and if you don't, that's all you can think. If you, you know, for some women and some men, um, for some yeah. women and some men, you just, that's the be, that's all you can think about. That's all. Yes. You, if you haven't got a child, that's all you can think about. That's all you want. Um. So, but it's the whole thing can be. I mean, I I can imagine. I I think it drives couples apart. I think it ruins. Like I mean, it, the whole thing is. I I don't do. I, I don't know that it's. Why, you know, is it as you were saying at the very start, like. Are you trying for children yet? Are you complete strangers or people you kind of know asking you about your, your business about having children? And what, you know, is it a society thing that we feel like we're less than if we don't or we can't, you know? And, you know, that's, that's, that's rough if that's how you feel, you know? Um, There's an awful lot of pressure, whether you mm. 
whether you think about it or not, or whether you feel it or not, lots of people just want to go and have kids and start a family and get married and are a lot more aware now than it, it doesn't happen. Just, you know, it, sometimes it just doesn't happen. And, and there can be no physical reason. It, it, with us, it was literally a bit of piping. It was very, mm. it was very basic. You know, I'd been born without it. So, and they could circumvent it. So it was easily, it was a relatively easy fix. Apart from all the drugs you had to take and this, that and the other and the risks involved and the, the hard sort of, the hard yards you have to put in and the, the time thinking about it and you're constantly thinking about it. And, and, and a lot of people don't know, you know, we, we, you then go to follow-ups, you know, you go to see your um, uh, midwife or whatever or the health visitor when you're pregnant and they say, oh, we'll just do a little chart here. Uh, you're going to give birth on the uh, 10th of July. And you go, no, no, it's actually the, uh, the, the 18th of July. We'll be nine months exactly because we know exactly when it happened. No, you don't. Nobody knows that. And that yeah, actually we do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got it here on my phone. <laughs> I didn't add it in my diary. You know, this is when it happened. So uh, nine months from that is blah. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was a int very interesting thing to do. Um, to look back on 16 years ago, 17 years ago, it would have been. Um, but for three years before that, we were involved in this mm. whole thing. There was a bit of a run up to it. Um, so, yeah, that, that's I, I don't know why I felt like I needed to tell that story. It was just because, as I said, I saw this comedian and I thought there's a lot of men out there, you know, who have all sorts of issues going around their heads. And this is another one that people deal with and don't deal with because it's not something you talk about. Not something you ever chat in the pub about, is it? No, I think it's good. I think it's, it was, I think it's good that you're, you know, to tell the story because I think there's lots of men need to hear it from other men that that's, that's what went on. And that, and that, uh, you know, you do, you do probably end up feeling like you're the pro you're a piece of meat owned by the hospitals and the public and the, you know, you're being tossed around from Billy to Jack and you are, you know, to, to, to try, you're trying to, you're trying to control what happens in your life, but you, be, you lose control because you have to do what everybody else tells you. And it's that feeling of loss of mm. control and loss of, of dignity and loss of humanity. And, you know, it just becomes then in the middle of, there's two people trying to do something and hopefully a third on the way and you're, uh, and it just and the lack of humanity is can be astounding in those situations when when actually the people stop seeing people stop seeing the people when it's the most important thing to see you know yeah um and i must say that i never i never really felt that apart from the beginning with the with the, the little bits of sort of uh, counseling and stuff like that and and it was more to do with other things but when you get into the the whole ivy they've done this a lot they they know they really are healthcare professionals and, and hats off to them all down in St. Bart's and in the Norwich and Norfolk hospital and everything that we went through. We were guided at every moment, you know, they are giving you leaflets. They're telling you stuff and they're sort of, you know, holding your hand and sort of, you know, you know, we know that there's this unwritten, we know that normally, as I say, this happens after a night of drinking and, you know, a bit of playfulness upstairs and all of a sudden nine months later, in the normal run of things, this happens. Charlie's happy. Charlie's happy with it. Charlie's happy for you. He just got the news. 
Charlie, Jimmy is 16 now. It's an old story. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I can't remember what you're saying. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about Charlie. No, no, good night. Uh, yeah, but but no. these, these people are very, they're, they're very good. Mm. They, they know what you're going through. They know that normally this should happen. And it's a, a kind of a, a loving act, if you like that leads to this normally, but we're going to have to intervene here. And you're intervening at the most intimate of part of a relationship. Mm. And it really does. And hats off to anybody that goes through IVF. And if they're on rocky territory to begin with, because it really does shine a light, you have to be shit sure that you want to go ahead with it. And I still wasn't. I still wasn't convinced. I was very man about the whole thing, you know? Very male. Yeah, ice cream truck. Fucking hell, is it? It's all happening here. Maybe Charlie. It's just the second of March. Fuck off. As my mother used to tell me, if he's playing the music, that means he's out of ice cream. Yeah, bastard. My dad pulled that line as well. He doesn't have any chocolate ice lads. Um. Michael, thanks very much. I feel like we should wrap it up now because the dog bark and the ice cream van, what's going to happen next? And you know, that's, or... that's it. That's that's what happens when you have IVF and you have a child. Life goes on as normal. Let that be, you know, Charlie has dictated the situation. Oh, bloody, oh, blada, life goes on. Whoa, la, 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 go on. Oh, bloody, oh, blada, life goes on. Life goes on. There you go. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to Mike. Mike Marin there. Uh, my friend Mike. All the way from Claire telling his story. So, honestly, funny. Uh, honestly, funnily, quirkily, interestingly. Uh, quite painful uh, times and quite poignant at times. But, uh, yeah, really great. Great, honest story. And I hope lots of people hear it. And I hope it means it could be just the right thing for... Uh, Charlie, you need to get out now. You're ruining the moment. I'm trying to do a really heartfelt outro to Mike's bit. Bye. Finn, will you close that door? Yeah, let me just close the camera. Charlie, no, you can't come in here. I'm trying to record. Charlie, no poo. No, I just need you to bring them out. No, I need to say some things to the people. Okay. Um. Don't do drugs. Good. I mean, if you want to, you can. No, no, don't. Even if you want. Um. You can drink. Yeah, you can. Yeah, if you're over eighteen, no, no. problem. If you're between the age of 10 and 14, you can drink. <laughs> okay. You've and, got to go now. You're telling people bad things. Bad things? Yeah. Do you want me to tell them bad things? Okay. No, you're telling people bad These These are bad messages. It's not positive. There was a posi- it is positive. That was a positive. I'm telling them they can be free. They can drink. They can talk. That was a positive podcast, and now you're just telling them bad stuff. That's, you know, but it's bad messaging. What that mean? You know, you're just like... You tell them, you know, tell them some good things. Good things? Yeah. Um, 
They have a vaccine for COVID. Well, that's good news. Great. Okay. Well, that's good. Thanks very much for that. Um, I'll just finish this up. Still can't go on holidays, though. No, we can't go on holidays. Hopefully soon. Can I have a chocolate raisin? Yeah, do you like chocolate raisins? Yeah. Okay. Can I have a packet? No. Please? No. How much do you have? Do you have a packet downstairs with that? No, I just have one. Is that a fellow? Can I have one? Okay. <laughs> you just threw it. Okay, bring Charlie with you. Alright, bye. See you later, bud. Bring Charlie with you. Hope you like my inspirational messages. It was very good. Yeah, Charlie, up you go. Pin, go on. Oh, sorry. See you later. I'll, I'll finish this in two seconds. Close the door. Thanks. Bye. Well, there you go. That was my poignant outro and heartfelt thanks to Michael <coughs> Ruined, but uh, thanks to Finn for those important messages. One important message. Don't listen to the other stuff. Um, he's young. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You know? That's it. Yeah, look, uh, thanks again to Mike and hopefully... Uh, if you know somebody who needs to hear it, pass it on to them. And if you need to hear it and you want to get in touch with the podcast, uh, keithwaltpod at gmail.com about anything, questions, questions for Mike about that, any kind of question. If you need help with anything, get in touch and we'll point you in the right direction. Okie doke. That's it. I got to go. Thanks very much for listening. As always, if you could uh, tell your friends about the podcast, that'd be great. Show people on social media how much you love it. Uh, give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. Uh, the way the algorithm works is that the more new listeners we get, the more reviews we get, the more five-star ratings we get, that's what brings it up and uh, puts it up uh, higher in the charts. Uh, makes it do well in the charts is what I'm trying to say. It's very late. It's ten past ten. I need to finish up and get this edited and get it up. Um, that's it, yeah. Uh, I think I've covered everything. Thank you very much to ACAST. This is part of the ACAST Creators Network. And... Uh, I will see you all the next time. So, if something... See, I need to fight an outro. See you all the next time. May... May the bird of paradise fly up your nostril and may the fleas of a thousand camels infest your armpits. Good night. That kind of works. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. What do you think of that, Margaret? Margaret? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.